Hi, you're listening to Stefan Levera podcast, a show about Bitcoin and Austrian economics brought to you by Swan Bitcoin. Over at swan.com or using the Swan app, you can do safe and easy Bitcoin buys. Swan offers recurring purchase plans, so this is an easy way for you to just stack a set amount every week, every month, and just keep recurring purchases going. Now, Swan also offers one-time buys known as smash buys. So there are times where let's say there's a dip in the market and you want to be able to purchase a little chunk right now, smash buys are great for that. With Swan, there's free custody in your own legally owned trust account. But of course, as we say, not your keys, not your coins. And Swan also offers free automatic withdrawals to self-custody. So you can set up and have your wallet or your addresses in there and automatically receive coins to those addresses once you hit a certain threshold. So this is a great way for you to purchase Bitcoin and also take self-custody in the process. Over at swan.com slash Levera, you'll get a free $10 of Bitcoin dropped into your account when you start stacking with Swan Bitcoin. When it comes to Bitcoin security, CoinKite.com are offering a range of products. They have the Sats card. This is like the new Open Dime. So if you need to gift Bitcoin to somebody, Sats card is a great cheap way to do this. If you need a cheaper device that has NFC, there's TapSigner. This one's normally about $40 and this one can work easily with phone wallets such as Nunchuck. Now, if you're looking for a more secure hardware devices or hardware signing devices the cold card mark 4 is a great choice here you can use this easily with wallets such as sparrow wallet or spectre desktop on the computer or you can also use this with nunchuck using nfc or you can even use micro sd card to ferry that information back and forth and in doing so you're using an air gap which helps you increase your security but of course for the beginners don't be worried you can also use a direct cable usb-c cable to plug it to your computer or even to an enabled mobile phone device. So to get your cold card, go to coinkite.com, use the code Levera and get a discount on your cold cards. Are you a builder in the space looking at Core Lightning or Liquid? Build on L2 is a community initiative led by Blockstream. So there is a community forming around this. There are contributors and companies building on Core Lightning and the Liquid network with a range of technologies that they are looking at. So for example, with Liquid, there is confidential transactions, miniscript, elements, covenants, simplicity, and federations, all kinds of technologies and techniques that you might find interesting or compelling to come together and collaborate on. Whether you are a product manager, a designer, or an engineer, there'll be events, mentorship programs, and a community space to share notes. So go and sign up for access over at buildonl2.com. So for the episode today, my friend NVK, the founder and CEO of CoinKite.com, rejoins me to chat about some of the latest in Bitcoin security, as well as the new device that they are launching, which is called the Q1. We talk about a range of things, as well as combining security techniques, Bitcoin gardening, not ossification, and his thoughts on things like Op, Vault, and Nostra. NVK, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, man. It's been a while. Yeah, yeah. And uh, obviously, lots happening. Hardware stuff is going on. I wanted to obviously chat about the new Q1 device, of course. I think that'll be the main thing to chat about. But uh, yeah, and all the ordinal stuff and Nostra and all this crazy stuff. But look, let's let's start with Q1. I think that's what people want to hear first. So can you tell us a little bit about the Q1 device? Yeah, so... Essentially, we made the device that uh, we've been wanting to make a, a QWERTY, so a full keyboard uh, hardware wallet for, for many, many years. And uh, we've been sort of like prototyping and experimenting with it for a long time. And uh, we just couldn't couldn't find a reason 
to sort of like make it economically speaking uh, by just adding a keyboard kind of thing. Since I still think the majority of the market is going to want the MK4 because it is like smaller and sort of like, you know, thinner, cheaper kind of thing. But uh, there was one small breakthrough. Uh, we found a camera module that used to be expensive, uh, but uh, like sort of like it became economically viable as a product. And, uh, and the same with a bigger screen. So we we're like, okay, great. So let's start designing a keyboard, right? So like this is everything in this product is kind of like from scratch, right? It's not like we're using a uh, a, a sort of like a, a store bought sort of like a keyboard or anything like that. But anyways, so I wanted to make this device for a very long time, uh, and uh, stars align kind of thing, and uh, and we made it. So, wow, we made it. We're making it. <laughs> it's still going to be quite a few months. I mean, we hope to ship out this year. Uh, if if there is no sort of like a supply chain sort of like surprises, we, we should be able to. Are we talking like mid this year, late this year? Uh, I think the, I think the, the, the risk is um, having to do more um, iterations on the plastic mold. Yeah. Uh, if it comes out right, which it should, because we're using the same plastic, we kind of like know our stuff already well for this. But you know, there's always the you know, oh no, you know, like the clip for this doesn't do just quite right. We need to update the mold right. kind of thing, right? Yeah. If that does happen, then you know, like that pushes a month, pushes two months, pushes three months, kind of thing. But aside from that, uh, there's not a lot of unknowns. Uh, we are we are using the same uh, sort of like architecture as Mark IV, right? So it's the same MCU, same secure elements. If between now and then uh, new chips come out, um, new interesting secure elements come out, uh, it's possible we integrate that in. So because we, we already have prototypes of this stuff running, right? Like it's it, there's no it's all sort of like uh, good, uh, but because it's long enough time uh, and and. And the the Mark IV sort of design is already very well understood by us. Uh, it shouldn't be too hard to to like add new secure elements and a few other cool things there. Awesome, yeah. And so I guess in terms of the highlights then for the new device, it's got QR code, which is obviously the big thing, uh, and it still retains the NFC and it still retains. It's got two SD card slots, and so and it's also got a screen. And so then the idea is just like the QR scanning devices that are already out there on the market, you're, you're now able to offer a QR code signing. So, so I think it's two things, right? Like like two big things on this. Like one is a big screen, right? Like we, we want to be able to do other sort of interesting UX things. So like having a bigger screen is great. You can display bigger QR codes as well with more data in them. Uh, I really dislike animated QRs. Uh, they're terrible for, for people to read, but uh, they might still be needed. We, we're still sort of like, you know, studying Kind of, and this is software, right? So it's easy to update and sort of change and improve. And I, I think we need a better animated QR spec. Uh, so maybe we work on that too if we have time. So so that's that part on the QR, right? Uh, another thing too is that we couldn't find a touch screen that was safe to use because they have like a lot of preparatory stuff going on in them. So so for now it's going to be this kind of screen, right? And then on the QR part, the scanner. We don't like the idea of using normal cameras, uh, shooting that unfiltered data straight into the the processor, right? That's how most hardware wallets do that, um, because you know 
like your private key is in memory on the MCU and you're receiving all that random data in there. Uh, it's not hard to to see a you know like a, an exploit that tries to do buffer overflow right on on the MCU or some other kinds of attack, uh, and your private key is in memory at the same place <laughs> as the stuff is happening, right? Um, it's also like they don't read well, like the screen. Um, that's why we wanted to wait uh, to see if he ever uh, this this QR modules would come to the market with a price that's economically viable. Uh, this is very similar to like supermarket scanners, the hand scanners. So it's a module that all it does is read QRs, barcodes, all that stuff, right? So technically, we could do barcode <laughs> seeds now too. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it, it's very good at reading. Like, you point, it reads. Like, you know, like, there's no sort of fiddling. It's just, it just, it's like hungry for QRs kind of thing. It has that vibe, right? And and what we do is we pipe, it, it talks serial, serial port with the MCU, right? So it's a much more narrow protocol to talk to. The data's coming is very, very sort of like specific type, Right, so it's a lot better security threshold. I, I think Flaxman brought this up way back in one of his episodes that that was a concern. Um, so, so in our view, is also a concern, and we wanted to address that if we were going to make this. You know, the module itself is like you know, clothes manufacturer, like sort of like you know, it's their own crap in there. But because of this separation, right? This this essentially firewall through through uh, serial, it's okay, right? So so that's that that's nice. Uh, another thing that that sort of like we we've always debated was um, uh, to do alkaline batteries versus lithium batteries. We you know I, I'd like to have a device that's future proof, so you don't depend on on battery packages. It does make the device thicker. Again, like, you know, I like to say, like, this design for us, right? Like, it's kind of like a bulky device, and uh, we think it's pretty cool, and we don't think people should walk around with harder wallets anyways. So, like, you know, <laughs> the pocket is not where you put your harder wallet, right? So, anyway, so so it does have three AAAs, uh, so that, that should last enough time if you don't use the flashlight a lot. Uh, the flashlight is part of the QR uh, uh, module, so... Uh, we figure, hey, you know, why not add a button to turn on the, the flashlight as well? You, you know, a lot of people <laughs> who are in this space understand why this is kind of important. Um, you, you know, many, many people keep these devices in uh, in safes, like uh, actual good safes, you know, in sort of like in places that may not be as well lit. Uh, and, and, you know, most very good safes uh, won't have uh, uh, lights inside. Uh, because they don't have like power going or anything like that, so you have to use the battery ones, and those die. Uh, or safe deposit box sometimes is not well lit, so so it, it sounds silly, but it's actually very useful. <laughs> so yeah, so and, yeah. and and the lithium ion battery packs, uh, I think they're like pretty cool. Uh, they're nice uh, power density as well. One of my fears with them is because they're opaque packages, like you could put some malicious crap in there. Uh, that, you know, I don't know, like radios to the nearby office when the thing is on kind of thing. Not hard to, to develop that. But, you know, like it's a little bit like it gets into the paranoid sort of like 
sort of tinfoil hat attack surface, which is where we live, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> right, but I think there's also a standardness of like just having AAA batteries. Everyone knows where to get them, and it's very stock standard. You can go to like a convenience store and buy the batteries and, yeah. and off you go like this. i mean listen i'm not gonna pigeonhole ourselves right i mean it's not it's not impossible that like i don't know the next version maybe uses like a, a lithium package inside the case sealed right. or something yeah. you know we're experimenting you know like this is this is something we wanted to make because we wanted to make uh like mark one i'm a little surprised at how many people want it <laughs> uh, i mean the, the, the pre-sales were a little crazier than i thought so, uh, so I, I guess there is a demand for uh, for a mountain man device, right? That looks like a BlackBerry. You know, maybe people just want to they want a BlackBerry, and it's like it's like an expensive flashlight, also, and you know, yeah. I mean, like you know, <laughs> it becomes you, part of the you, you know, you want to type out your your passphrases, right? Like fast, um, yeah. yeah. And uh, even though like uh, a touchscreen would have been great, I can't do that safely yet, at least. So. Might as well put a QWERTY there. Another very cool thing is there's a button there that looks like a tab button. It's like a it's like a a, a stick and an arrow together. Uh, that button is going to be for for expanding uh, passphrases. Sorry, like a BIP39 word. So like you can just like autocomplete. Uh, there's a lot of like little things that we want to play around with. Oh, cool. So that's like the twenty calculate the twenty fourth word scenario or just expand kind of from the two words show me the next ones kind of thing you know sorry that, 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 i see yeah like autocomplete sort of yeah, thing exactly yeah, yeah gotcha exactly gotcha yeah yeah and certainly being able to type in your passphrase because right now if you're clicking around that can take a little bit of time but uh all, all of these things it is a trade-off right and uh, you have to think about all of these aspects right the price point yes so i guess now in terms of coin kites range you would say like you've got kind of at the cheaper end you have the you know the sats card which is kind of like an open dime then you have the tap signer which is more like a $40 tap signer sort of start level and then i guess going up you have the cold card mark 4 which is about $148 something like that and then this this one i think the pre-order was 199 right so yeah and we 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 hope to uh keep it within that like the the design was very deliberate right so the no, reality is like you know the normies are coming right yeah and and like you know any market like i mean people price is like one of the biggest drivers right there is a reason why uh ledger uh is one of the best sellers uh in this market it's like price is huge right and and every maker seems to kill their very high expensive devices right remember like ledger blue i think was called it was like 600 euros it was very nice had some issues because it was prototype but you know it doesn't go anywhere we we think that like 200 ish is like it's like as far as you can go when when the next bull run comes and and the market sort of like really comes in and uh so we designed this with like economies of scale that we already have on chip purchases right so it's using the same mcu there's like a lot of cool things there that are similar and and you get all the security, right? So so like I, I don't know, like I, I think it should be a slum dunk in terms of like capturing the people that want a device that's a bit bigger that does things that they want to do. Yeah, it's it's exciting. I, yeah. I, <laughs> I can't wait to like have a, a proper production test on my hands to, to do stuff with it. Right, yeah. And and the bigger screen I think is going to be useful as well, especially for people who want to do more advanced things, right? Like you were saying, you're going to have mini script, people might want to do multi-sig and then verify, oh, okay, which are the other XPUBs in this setup? Right now, you can do that, but you're scrolling through uh, in terms of the yeah. multi-sig. Address Explorer is huge. Yeah, that too. Right. 
uh we're not like so one thing we don't want to do is make like sort of like a, a true sort of like like color gooey sort of like too much of that stuff like we still want to keep it sort of like within sort of like a simple concise textual base ux right like you know we might add a thing here and there and uh maybe maybe you know in the future is more like a <clears throat> like a, a, a interactive command line kind of thing, like where you have like, you know, maybe a pop-up or something. But but we do want to to keep it sort of like simple, concise, focus on the actual data as opposed to a bunch of like pretty crap around. Yeah, so like, so multi-sig, you know, it's going to be nice. Um, you know, the address explorer will be nice to have a big screen, more data on QRs. You know, we can have more soft UI things on the UI as well. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it's it's nice. More real estate is, is always better. And I presume there's going to be some familiarity for, for people who are already cold card Mark IV users. Oh, yeah. It'll be sort of similar in how you use it. I mean, unless we have a lot of time, which I don't think we will, it's going to likely be a scaled up version of, of the existing UI with with, you know, improvements to actually fit on the screen and sort of like, be nice right but it's 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 gonna start as an extension of that as an improvement of that and then just iterative sort of like improve that because like you know even though mark 4 has a tiny screen i think the ux on it as much as like you know you can get some criticism because it's not as you know easy or whatever because yeah it's not touch right it's the kind of ux that prevents you from losing money right like my priority is make sure that the like that UX like really sort of keeps you from screwing up as instead of just like make sure that you have like you know a one tap sign right like for that use your phone right like i mean like people people are sending and receiving like part of their savings here right so you know the mindset really is like how can i prevent you from losing money right so so that's sort of like where our head is at yeah sure uh and i think the focus as well on air gapping so that's also something that is there quite strongly with the sd card uh and the qr code i think as i understand as well from your earlier comments as well it seems that the more interactivity there is it's like that's you're losing the air gap in a way right so maybe that's why bluetooth doesn't really count as an air gap probably nfc doesn't really strictly count as an air gap either so really it's like sd card or qr code I, I think yeah, like, but even on the QR side, you know, like if you're sending straight to the to the MCU, like, it, I, I guess it's like there is like it's like a it's a big gray space, right? Like at a minimum, there is no wires. <laughs> like that's right. that's number one, yeah. right? Like no wires uh, that that do data, and then that like then they like that's true where like that's the beginning of air gap right and then radios absolutely right like i mean if they are complex radios or whatever yes right like they are not air gap uh even though there is an air gap (laughs) it's kind of funny (laughs) so yes so like bluetooth is a definitely no wi-fi is a definitely no right like these are complex long distance sort of like radio types right uh nfc sort of like yeah, it's not air gap technically, but it kind of is, you know, like it's very, you have to be super, like super close to it. It's very easy to sort of like segregate yourself from other things because the radio, you know, the way it works, it's kind of fine, but it's not really air gap. So it's kind of like in the middle there. And then like, you know, you have the QR next, right? Like the camera next, which is like, yes, it's air gap, 
there is a few sort of concerns. I think we addressed them with the serial. Uh, and then to me, like, then there is SneakerNet. SneakerNet is like the best way of doing air gap for the true paranoid. Uh, when you, you know, like when you still need to shuffle data back and forth, right? I mean, like that is sort of like the best you can do. Uh, so that's the scale. Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair as well. I think people, like one of the criticisms is this idea that, oh, well, even with an SD card, you're putting in another computer inside and all this. But even there, I mean, it's sort of like, well, you have to use something. You're going to have to use... Like, but no, but you know. nobody, well, one is nobody has demonstrated an attack of SD card in all these years. Two is you can just dispose SD cards, have a pile, all fresh, you know what I mean? Like, and and it's like, okay, so like, you just keep on tossing them out, right? Like, who cares? And then it's not as much of a concern. Because even though, like, let's say the most advanced Stuxnet figure out how to do something there, right? You can still use a fresh new card to take the data out. So the idea is that you would have it saved to the device, take change out the SD card, and then take it, put a new SD card in to take the saved PSBT out and use that to input into the computer yep. or so on. And also, like, you could be sending that to a computer that's also offline, right? And then from that computer, you can do another hop if you want to. Also, like, you know, listen, this is not like SD cards, like cameras read SD cards, right? Like, there's a reason why it's a max 32 gigabyte SD card. So this is the, the narrow set of the SD cards, the old school FAT32 kind of SD cards. Uh, it's very narrow. Uh, we are using this in a very narrow way. You know, the way we don't just execute data from the SD card. You know, like, it, it, it's not simple. Yeah. There is a lot of nuance there. Uh, I think a lot of it is just, like, simple FUD from ignorance. Right, right. And I think the way, I mean, personally, I like to use it as part of a multi-signature, like, if, you, if you're talking about serious money. But I, I understand you have your criticisms of, of uh, let's say... I would say, and it's fair, like beginners should be maybe using a guided service, you know, whether it's Unchained or someone, get an, ex- get an expert or professional to help you. And then, yeah. you know, for the more advanced users, keep it simple. But, you know, I think if you want to learn multi-signature, you can, but you kind of have to be very slow and methodical and precise about your backups and your keeping a copy of your output descriptor and all of these aspects of it also to kind of make it actually a more secure setup. So the way I'm viewing it is, you know, if you're talking about like your big HODL stack and, you know, you have maybe a, an MK4 and like a Q1 and maybe some other devices as part of your overall quorum, well, the whole point is that you're, you know, you're making it harder and harder and harder for somebody to realistically, you know, take your coins, obviously. Yeah, no, I mean, like, you know, like I, I always say multisig is fantastic. The problem with multi-sig is the complexity for the amount of money that the average plebe is going to put on, right? Like, it, it's just not, it's just not, it's, it's, it's stupid. You know, for most people, the great majority of the people, right? Like, single sig plus plus phrase is, is like, like an amazing, perfect solution, right? Like, well, perfect between quotes, right? <laughs> uh the the you know like and then there is like there's people who have a lot more money right like and, and for those people like spending the money and the time to learn about multisig or or find a, a, a collaborative multisig or something uh you know and audit right because like listen if you have a hundred million dollars to keep right like you're not going to just trust any of these collaborative solutions either you're going to want to like hire people to do diligence on them too so like this nothing is simple right 
Uh, and, and I think we're finally like past the point now where like Bitcoiners can be a little bit more grown up and sort of like have nuance over custody. So like we're not just on Twitter just say, you know, like 12 DVDs, right? Like <laughs> it, it's like let's have nuance, right? Like people have different piles, people are different locations, they have different needs, different security thresholds. So, yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. So let's chat about the cold card firmware. I know there's some been there's been some recent updates on that. I know the recent version, for example, has the output descriptor export for single signature wallets. So that's kind of an interesting one because I know this is something the the guys over in Bitcoin Core have been pushing descriptors as as the new way, and it seems that now the hardware and the software are starting to adopt descriptors. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean. We we've been uh, descriptor pushers since the since the beginning. As soon as uh, actually before descriptors came to core, uh, we we already had implemented nice. it. Uh, it's a much safer way for people to do backups uh, than uh, than than just the BIP thirty nine or writing down your your uh, your uh, derivation path uh, or your script type or you know all that stuff. So. Yeah, output descriptors are amazing. Um, it's a shame that very, very few wallets support it. I think at the moment is just uh, cold card. Hang on, I have a little website here. Outputdescriptors.org. So Bitcoin Core, cold card, Spectre, Desktop, Sparrow Wallet, Nunchuck, Moon, uh, Blue Wallet, and BTC Pay Server, and Bitcoin, and BDK. That's it. So cold card is the only hardware. So uh, Salvatore... You know that keeps uh, keeps on badgering me to do mini script. Do output descriptors first, sir. Um, <laughs> I I thought they. I'm not sure. Maybe they do have that now. I think maybe that for their new um, mini script stuff. I don't think they do. It's just mini script. I don't think they do output descriptors. Oh, I thought that. Yeah. Okay. I, I'd have to check. Well, let's let's just say that so he gets some shit, and then uh, and then if it's true, then uh, then I'll eat some crow on Twitter after. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it's a good thing. Just so the people listening. Yeah. Yeah, we're all friendly around this stuff. <laughs> like it's we're all. Well, uh, I know he was pestering you for mini script, so uh, you know. Yes. You can uh, get him back for one. It's only fair. Yeah. Um. And so. I saw also in the recent firmware update, there's micro SD card as second factor. So I guess this is again, like you can have your different models. Like, I mean, and that's the other thing, right? Like, let's say I'm a a malicious person and I'm coming after you. I don't necessarily know what your setup is, right? I don't know if you're doing seed XOR. I don't know if you've got a Jures pin, if you have a BrickMe pin, if you have an SD card as your second factor, if you have multi-signature, if you're using a passphrase, if you're using a combo of these things. Like, it's all, you know, people, I think that's part of the idea, right? It's a labyrinth. Yeah. So so my idea is when a bad guy knocks on the door, he looks at a cold card, he, a cold card, he cries, right? Because it's like... Okay, I really don't know how to approach this person, right? Because like he can have infinite trick pin, trick pins, and sort of like it's a big labyrinth of like, of like plausibly deniable uh, uh, things, right? So anyway, so like a lot of people are lazy and don't want to like remember trick pins or do that, and so so like my idea is, hey, why don't we use a microSD? Uh, and I think it was somebody else who seated this idea in my head about a year ago. I can't remember who was. Why don't we use a micro SD card, uh, the, the the serial of the actual card, right, that's in the chip, uh, which is clonable, but it doesn't matter in this scenario, uh, to be the second factor when you log in. So if that micro SD card is not in the code card when you boot, okay, uh, the the code card could do uh, different things, like a like a trick 
pin, right? It could brick, it could erase the seed, and and I think like a few other sort of like other options on the trick pins. It's very cool because like you can have it around. Uh, all microSDs kind of look the same, right? So nobody's gonna know which one is what. And uh, and yeah, if anybody turns it on without you being around, right? Like kind of like an Evo made scenario, uh, they won't know that like moving forward on that could could uh, destroy the device, even if they took your pin. Let's say they had a camera right behind you or something. They've been watching you. If they have the pin now, they they wouldn't be able to to follow through, even if they're the correct pin. Yeah, there's so many different options. Yeah, which is not true for this, the, the, the trick pins, right? The trick pins, they're great, but if somebody had a camera and they were watching you closely, right, they, they could figure out which one is the correct pin, right? With, uh, with this one, it's, uh, it's pretty cool. Uh, you, you, you really get that extra security there. And you can travel away with your SD card, and it's kind of like nobody can get in, right? Like, why are you away? without you taking right, the code. Right. And meanwhile, of course, in some other location, you would have the backup of that. So let's say you accidentally screwed yeah, it up. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Always have a backup, right? I mean, backu- backups yeah, yeah. are given, right? Like, uh, And ideally, if you're using Sigo Sig, you do CDXOR on your, on yeah, your backup. Yeah. And I think it's funny because obviously, not a criticism of you here, obviously, but it's like we're talking about all these kind of like ways to make your stuff more secure, but then like some of these hacks you hear about are people just, you know, keeping their keys in the cloud or keeping their keys on a hot server. Oh, yeah, 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 no. Yeah, but you know, like this is not our target market. Uh, like this is this is something we've noticed, like especially through the years now. You know, the people who, who contact us for, for issues where when like it's it's more the dark stuff it, it or or like, you know, like husband complicated things too much or whatever. But we don't have a lot of users who... Who gave away their their seeds on a DM or or um, or uh, you know took a picture of their seed and put it on their iCloud, right? This is this is more like of like a ledger mass mark mass market problem uh, than 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 for us. Back to the show in a moment. Are you still using a plain old block explorer? Bitcoin is now growing. It is a multi-layer ecosystem and mempool.space can help you analyze it. And I find it really useful personally. Whenever I'm sending a larger transaction, I like to check on mempool.space so that I can target my fee. And also when it comes to looking for new Lightning Network partners, I like to use the Lightning Network Explorer on mempool.space. With mempool.space, it's open source and you can even host it yourself. Now, if you're with an enterprise, mempool.space offers customized features. You can have a custom instance with your company's branding or increased API limits and more. Go and find out more at mempool.space slash enterprise. Next, as you know, I'm a fan of multi-signature and I believe it can increase your security and help you remove single points of failure in your setup. But I also know it's not easy for everybody to achieve that on their own. Unchained Capital can help you. They have a concierge onboarding program and they have vaults which enable you to go to multi-signature instead of keeping all your stuff in a single signature wallet or leaving your coins with a custodian or an exchange. The concierge onboarding program is really simple. You pay up front, they ship you some hardware, if you need it and they do a call with you they walk you through the process so that you are now comfortable to withdraw out of your custodian or exchange or even out of your single signature hardware device and put it into a two of three multi-signature vault now there's all kinds of additional features and added value such as the inheritance protocol which includes things like the step-by-step checklists and letters for the executor or trustee so go to unchained.com concierge and sign up for the concierge onboarding program 
BTC Prague is coming June 8th to 10th. It's going to be awesome. I'm really looking forward to it. This is going to be the biggest Bitcoin event in Europe. So if you are in or near Europe or even further, make sure you come along for this one. This is going to be a fantastic networking opportunity and a chance to learn about Bitcoin and meet a range of awesome people, Bitcoiners, whether they are speakers or not. And we've got a range of awesome speakers, people like Michael Saylor and Robert Breedlove was recently announced also. So I'm going to be there. I'll be one of the MCs and I'm looking forward to seeing a bunch of you there. There are industry or whale tickets available over at btcprague.com. So the industry ticket includes an extra one-day business conference and if you're interested in the whale ticket, there's going to be four unique whale zones, white glove service, and premium food and drinks throughout all three days. So don't waste time. Get your tickets before the prices go up. Go to btcprog.com, use code Lavera, and get a discount on your ticket. I'm looking forward to seeing you there. And now back to the show. Though I wonder, maybe the question is, maybe once you become bigger, like once CoinKite becomes a bigger and bigger, maybe that you do start to get those more mass market questions. So I guess maybe it's a growing yeah, thing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, it is. And and we see some of those with TapSigner, you know, where people are a little bit more confused. That's why we try to make it like idiot proof, right? Like, for example, the backups go encrypted to your cloud thing, right? Like, it's like we, we try to make it so that you can't screw yourself even if you really wanted to. Uh, although, like, never <laughs> underestimate people trying to lose their money. But uh, yeah. And that's the reality, you know, there are people who will just take things and just screw around with them and just completely, even people from like supposedly professional occupations, even people like a pilot or things like this who are very, who are meant to be very reliable and very sturdy or very, you know, reliable basically, they will just screw around with things and just totally, you know, I think sometimes all of us can just be stupid or do dumb things at, at times. So. Yeah, no, like, listen, that's why, like, you, you know, good security uh, setups don't require you to think, right? Because, see, like, we can have even, like, a core dev, like, who's, like, super knowledgeable, shadowy super coder, right? Like, lose his money because he made a custom setup that, you know, like, he didn't pay attention that day, right? Like, everybody has a bad day, right? And it could be that one bad day where, I don't know, like, say, say like, you have a margin, like, like contract that you, you like, you're super stressed and you have to deal with that. Or you broke, like, I don't know, like, you had a fight with your spouse or something, right? You're, like, super stressed and you go to your setup and you need to do a transaction because of the time of something, right? Uh, and if you have to think too much, like you just have like this massive attack surface now for you to like screw yourself. Uh, you know, maybe you have your Cubes OS laptop, <laughs> you know, all set up and then you accidentally stick in the wrong micro SD, sorry, the, the long USB stick on it. And that one just happened to have like, you know, an exploit. Like you, you don't want to, you want to be in a place where like you're a lot like, you know, safer from yourself uh, because people have bad days. Yeah, and that's I, I guess that's challenging as well online. Even as you mentioned, I guess. Uh, well, I guess there's two examples, right? If cubes, you're thinking, I'm, I'm thinking of Peter Todd there, but in the example of you know keeping the server online, I mean that's like Luke, right? With Luke and the story there, because people were saying, and people were coming out saying this stuff like, "Oh, see, even if a core de- core developer can't keep his coin secure, what chance does the average person have?" But it could also just be that he was using a very out of date setup, and he, well. Yeah think about it this way like just because people are an expert on some things doesn't make them an expert on other things yeah you know like i talked to luke a bit like and you know we sent we sent him some cold cards the reality is like i mean you know since hardware wallets came out right even an ideal setups right like people have been robbed a lot less right 
uh, so, so like, I, I like to say, right, like any hardware wallet is better than no hardware wallet. I mean, provided they're from the, say, like Bitcoin.org list of hardware wallets, right? Like, don't, it's, I'm not talking about like, you know, all those closed crap around that, like, support 50,000 shit coins that, you know, like, you don't know the team or whatever. But like, you know, out of, say, like, code card, Trezor and, and like Ledger, like, you're pretty well taken care of, right? So, you know, like, you can't, like, depend on having a specific vintage of an IBM laptop that just happened to have the right chipset. You know what I mean? Like, and, like, maintaining some complex, like, it's just, it's unrealistic, right? And then and then you die, right? And now your spouse has to deal with this, like, complete, like, stupid setup, right? We need better, right? We need, first, we need reasonable, right? And then And then we need to sort of, like, improve on that. Yeah, and I think the challenge is keeping it secure, but also keeping it simple. And that's, I think, trying to find things that can give people simple and secure is about is really the the goal. And I think what some people end up doing, unfortunately, is they overcomplicate because they think it's going to make them more secure. But the the real skill is keeping it simple and secure at the same time. Um, so that's interesting. And I think, yeah, one other firmware feature I've noticed is this ephemeral seeds one. Now I know it's something um, maybe from the the prior firmware update, but I know it's kind of an interesting one. So the idea is that you can import another seed and use that as part of or inside this one device. And so it's, I guess, yeah, is it kind of like, it's almost like a seed signer then, isn't it? Kind of like a seed signer functionality. Yeah. So we added that because I needed, I needed to help a friend sweep a reasonably size uh, uh, stash from a seed, right? And uh, I didn't want to load that on computers or not in the mood of like setting up some crazy setup. And, you know, so... And and he, the whole thing was like, a new code card was not available. Let's put it this way, in that situation. So, so like, this is what essentially he needed. And uh, I, I sort of like did some thought on this. And I figured, hey, like, why don't we just load like seeds on, on code card in, in read-only mode and don't erase the stored seed, right? So like you have your code card stored seed, but I wanted to load extra seeds, so that he could export a Electrum uh, skeleton file so that he can then go create the transaction and sign it with that secure code card. And essentially like, so that a lot of people sometimes need to transfer old wallets to a new old wallet, right? But they only have a single hardware wallet and they are in, an, you know, like in some place somewhere in the world where they can't get anything else fast enough. So there was that kind of situation. Uh, so being able to load in a seed ephemerally, right? Like just temporarily on memory for you to spend it out uh, was, was it's a good solution. It's, it's like really, really nice way of spending or or exporting sometimes just a read-only because you, you export your read-only, you put it in your computer or whatever, and then you can just forget that seed. So yeah, very useful so that you can have last code cards in case you need some of that. Uh, the seeds other model, I'm like, I think it's great for multi-sig. I, I don't like it for single sig. I'm kind of very vocal about it. Uh, I don't think people should be touching private key material on a daily basis. Uh, even though you can't do that now with code card, I don't recommend it because you know if you if you have your private keys available to you in your house, like what's the point of having a hardware wallet? 
Like somebody's going to come and hit you and take it. <laughs> and, you know, your phone camera could accidentally see it, right? Like you, it's just there's a million ways in which you can screw yourself with that. And uh, in their model, I think the problem is you can't guarantee that it was erased either uh, just to, due to the, like, the design hardware nature of that. Uh, but I think it's very cool for multi-sig. I think it's very cool for recovering or transferring from a specific seed. Uh, yeah, so so that was sort of like the idea of it. So now you support it. Uh, it's there. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, and I think, yeah, it makes sense for users who maybe don't have new devices hang, like around. And yeah, I, I think it's probably, like you're saying, it's probably useful in the case where you want to help a friend. And because the general dictum, the general advice is never type your seed words into a hot computer for a large stack, right? Maybe for smaller stacks, you're okay, you're comfortable with that risk, but for a large stack, you just don't do that. And if you don't have a new device on hand, then that's where having this ephemeral seed feature can be useful for you. I guess, presumably, this would be more like a last resort feature, though. It's kind of like a recovery and then send out into somebody's new setup as an example, because, you know, maybe that say that friend of yours is not going to trust that your device is actually that it is ephemeral you know what i mean because there's always going to be that you know that fear that once you've typed it in you're in the middle of the desert somewhere right you cannot get a wallet you've learned that your seed original seed may be compromised because the backup got compromised you know and you're in a pinch you want to transfer from the old one to the new one using the same device it's a great way of handling that another thing that happens and i had to do this a few times is uh you know you have like a phone wallet uh, and you know, like it's not like it's, it's not like a lot of coin, but you know, it's enough that you don't want to put it in a computer, and you want to sweep those keys. The, this is this is a great way of of, of doing that. You you put the seat in and and you sweep those those phone keys, uh, even though maybe you don't use that phone wallet anymore, you don't trust it or whatever reason. That's kind of nice. So yeah, that's uh, that's the idea. Yeah, it's cool. like using the code card as your sort of like seed seed management sort of like solution. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it might be useful in um, different ways that come or become more obvious in the future. Um, and so I think coming back to that idea of simple and secure and just kind of zooming out a little bit in terms of Bitcoin and security in general, right? Because obviously you and I and probably many listeners, we want more people to be able to use Bitcoin securely. Like we want that. We want more people you know, to join us. <laughs> uh, and so... I think that also brings this whole question about changes in Bitcoin and things like Op Vault as an example. So obviously, uh, our friend James Ob has been uh, talking about that and helping, uh, trying to explain what it does, how it helps. That's, I mean, that's just an example, right? Another example I like is AnyPrevout. So for me personally, I think I conceptually, I'm not a developer that I've reviewed all the code of them, but conceptually, I like the idea of these because they help us scale Bitcoin or they help us self-custody Bitcoin or make it more feasible for people to do that. But on the other hand, and I appreciate this, we have to also be conservative and we shouldn't just like willy-nilly change things. So where do we land on that? Like how, do, how does one shepherd a change through in Bitcoin given the community and the culture and all of that? Oh my God, that's like a two-hour conversation, <laughs> maybe maybe 10-hour conversation. We, we did two hours uh, of uh, upvault at the at the Bitcoin Review Pod, my my thing there with uh, with uh, Antoine and uh, uh, James and uh, and Ben Cartman, and like again, like you know, and we still didn't get to like it, it's it's just a long conversation, but I I think covenants of some kind will need to happen, 
So that that's first, right? Like we have no choice. One one covenant solution is going to have to happen. CTV was sort of galaxy brain, super cool, interesting, but like beyond the comprehension of like most people can even fathom in terms of uh, in terms of like possibilities and things. So like that makes it too scary because we don't know what could go wrong and stuff. Uh, even though a lot of work was done in sort of proving it's safe, but I don't know. I, I'm not comfortable with it uh, personally. And then Brian Bishop's uh, vaults like don't work because you can't prove an ephemeral seed was deleted. And uh, so, so like that was just cool, sort of like speculative work kind of thing. But you know, it's it's not viable, right? There was one more I can't remember now. Uh, and then and then there's Opvault by by James. Like James is you know a legit sort of like core person, right? He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's talking about. He's done some deep, deep research on this. The the paper is actually quite straightforward. It's a narrow uh, uh, primitive. So it's a new Bitcoin primitive, OpVault. It's very narrow, which is nice. So less sort of like possible issues, uh, less possible uh, attack surface uh, or just bug surface. And uh, an OpVault creates like a, a very sane way of doing some basic types of, uh, of covenants, which gets very complicated fast to explain on, on, you know, whatever, like 15, 20 minutes that we have left here. <clears throat> so... What I'd say is, like, we're going to need something. Uh, James is not uh, uh, married to this. I'll, he's going to, a BIP is coming out, probably, like, imminent, so that people can start to sort of, like, the debate on it. Let's put it this way. And so he's not married to this. If something else comes out that's, like, better, simpler, and sort of works, then so be it, right? Like, but we need something. And we need something soon. Uh, as you know, I am an ossify kind of guy for Bitcoin, right? But like when when I mean ossify, it's not that like software won't be changed ever again, right? Like, uh, and I think a lot of people who are not technical don't understand this. Even ossified software needs gardening, yeah. right? And I'm trying to introduce this concept of gardening to people so they understand. Uh, we talked a lot on that episode about it, where. Uh, you, you need to update the software because computers change, the attack surface changes, right? Like we have the Unix bug, you know, that's going to yeah. have to get fixed it if, like at some point. Or I think a really good example is the Tor V2 deprecation yeah. in favor of Tor V3. Right. Like Bitcoin Core had yes. to change. If, you, if, we, if we didn't have that change, you wouldn't be able to use Bitcoin with Tor. So I, I mean, you know, you know uh, op time verify, uh, sorry, uh, uh, lock time verify was added. Nobody even blink an eye, just sort of got in, <laughs> like... Nobody even talked yeah. about it, right? Like maybe it's just like earlier times, you know, there was less scrutiny, or maybe it was the network was smaller, or no, that was after uh, that was that was after uh, Segwit, if I remember right, wasn't it? No, no, CLTV. I think that was they, they were pre Segwit, CLTV. And that, that's right. That was pre- yes, but that was after the P two SH like wars. Yeah, I think right? so. Like yeah, uh, and then there was the op uh, return wars, and then there was the original block size wars. You know, Bitcoin was thirty two megabytes blocks. And then it went down to one, right? Satoshi just changed that. <laughs> and then, like, and then we went to four. Like, the, the thing is, like, things will change, right? We want to strive and sort of target and, and trend towards almost no changes, especially with new features. But, like, new things will come and they are going to be necessary. So I, I, think, I think people need to sort of, like, start thinking about Bitcoin that way. That there will be things, uh, you know, it was not Taproot that 
that added dick butts to the to the blockchain, right? It, it was it was the SegWit discount and the extra uh, for like 4x increasing block size. So it was the block size that made the big the big blocks. Yeah, specifically the witness discount, right? But yeah, well, e- even there, yeah. But the blocks were made for megabytes, right? And and the right. idea is blocks should be full, so you should be angry at the block size, not at the dick butts. I mean, you know, like it's because it was already possible to add all those inscriptions and things into Bitcoin before that. Uh, and and with enough fiddling, he could probably have done that, like <laughs> you know, like even even before the discount too. It's just a discount on. I mean, it was always possible, exactly. right? The question is more just like the cost to do it, right? So I think some people have been unfairly saying, "Oh, Taproot is to blame," which is clearly wrong, right? It's not that it's not the fault of Taproot that now there's inscriptions on Bitcoin. It was possible pre-Segwit. It was possible even, you know, pre-P2SH. It's just it made it straightforward. Right. Right? Like, because the Taproot witness doesn't have, like, it has a discount, but it doesn't have a limit. Like, the, the, the witness for normal transactions does have a limit on the script size, right? So so that there is that. But it was already possible. It just wasn't possible this straightforward. Let's put it this way. Yeah. I, I do think one amazing thing might come out of this. Uh, I think that... Uh, Compression data compression on blocks is going to be uh, a much more advancedly fought through because of this. So we we might actually get some benefits out of this, aside from you know having uh, pictures on the blockchain, which like you know that's sort of like a moral sort of issue and whatever. Like I, I'm not going to get into this in the short time. But. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I guess bringing it back to the point, really, that there may be some people who just don't want to change at all. But I think. If we want Bitcoin to be available to more people and we want more people to be comfortable with it, I think things like Opvault, you know, personally, I would I would be pro Opvault. I would like to see people support these ideas so that we can make Bitcoin more accessible. So, but cu- crucially, of course, we want to make sure everything is safe before we bring anything in. Yeah. So, yeah. So, like, you know, long winded road, like Opvault, like, is really, really cool. I mean, like, you have a means now of, well, you will have a means of, creating like um like a, a script that that like could be in, in informed right of of certain a uh, thing that happened right so for example say say you have your vault and your your funds are there and you know you set it up so that like you know like if more than a certain amount tries to get out in a certain period you know you're informed by like a wallet that watches it like a watchtower some some form of thing like that and uh, and then like you can press the nuclear button right so like that that vault gets withdrawn to a new a new vault or some some key like that that's on a harder wallet under a lake or something do you know what i mean like so you have an out Right, so you can do uh, you can do uh, a reactive security versus versus uh, proactive security, right? Like, yeah, you you can you you can sort of like you can know and have time uh, in a, a window, right, to sort of like get the money out of the difficult situation, right? Uh, I, I think you know, like if this is done, 
like very well and the solutions are amazing i mean there's a possibility that like we we actually don't need more multi-sig or or harder wallets in a way that we do now yeah or it's maybe it's comboed together right like as an example i bring you back to that example where let's say uh, let's say i'm the evil attacker guy trying to go after you now now i don't know whether you've got a jureth pin or whether you've got a multi-sig or a cdex or passphrase etc and even if i do get through all that i don't know if you've got a vault hidden under all of that you know that's right so, you know, and, and and the vaults don't even dox your ETXOs. This is so cool. Like you can still have privacy on that vault. And so one one thing that was bugging me before about this proposal was that um, you would have to have like preset fees, right? Which in you know in a twenty year sort of like thinking it's like hopeless right? right the fees could be so much higher by then etc it could be it could be whatever right like uh so you would have to have like a um uh, anchor uh anchors output i think or something yeah i can't yeah, remember anchor the term. outputs for like yeah it, it, some very like another change to bitcoin right uh for that to be able to do but uh uh <laughs> james gave us the news in the last episode uh, like that, like he figured out how to do that. Oh, without... right. I think he was saying without package relay or one That's of these right. mempool yes. um, policy things that Gloria is working on. Yeah. So, so that's really cool. So now it's like nice and tight. Uh, I think I think the discussion is going to probably be like fairly healthy because this is so narrow. Yeah. So I think one other thing is maybe some of the other soft fork discussions get bogged down because something isn't perfect. And I think maybe we need to. Maybe we, you know, we we kind of have to take something that's not perfect but it's it's a big improvement you know like as long as it's safe my fear of that thinking is the slippery slope on that i just think i think we need to do our best to do make it perfect uh there will be unintended consequences period like you're saying by not being perfect perfect right right? but uh as long as we can sort of put enough effort into trying to understand uh what the consequences will be as opposed to surprises uh mind you it's just the timing of casey with with like ordinal inscriptions versus like taproot and everything was just sort of like aligned uh like but he's he's an extremely bright individual he would have and he was a core dev by the way he would have figured out a way of doing this regardless right so this is kind of the mindset that i think is important was it's not a good example even though it's the one that's like rubbing on everybody's face anyway so so like I think I think the discussion should be very very reasonable. I, I, the problem, in my view, is going to be the activation, right? It's just soft fork, but uh, on this one, it's going to be tricky because you know we we are all PTSD from activation. I I am not a fan of speedy trials. I am not a fan of lot right. falls. You'd prefer like a flag day sort of activation. I want chicken, you know, game of chicken where you know like the network either is in consensus or isn't. And, uh, like, you know, I think we can do a better job at, at like, displaying, like, uh, a consensus. Uh, but but I, I don't like the, the slippery slope of, of speedy trial. I don't, I feel like that gives an upper hand to the miners. Uh, for this update, I don't think it's a big deal. It's not, like, something that matters. But I think we we should find a way of, of like, keeping it consistent. But I think I'm in a minority, so like I, I think we're going to end up with a speedy trial again. I think a lot of, a lot of technical people and industry prefer the certainty, even though it is giving the upper hand to the miners. It is giving some certainty to the network. Yeah, maybe it's some of the large businesses might prefer speedy trial. I'm not sure, but yeah, let's see, let's see what the discussion is. See what people are saying. 
Hopefully, we can get enough people on board with the idea of improving some aspects of Bitcoin, um, such as Opvault. Also wanted to get your thoughts a little bit on uh, Nostra. So I know, you obviously, you've been uh, big into Nostra. I'm curious if you think some of the hurdles will be overcome. So as an example, how does this network deal with things like spam and DOS? Is it through using, you know, SATs as the, you know, pay pay to play? Is that how we do it? Or? It's already being dealt yeah. with. If You can use the, the global feed again, right? At least on Damas. So you'll be a mix of many things, right? Um, you're going to have pay to relay. You're going to have pay to join a relay. You're going to have, uh, uh, like, you're going to have relays of, of spam filters, right? So... You know, it's essentially a censorship relay, right? Like that just gives you an updated list of things to censor, right? Well, which is might be spam. You're gonna have like filters, like uh, the the filter idea that I had uh, for for Will, which is only show me uh, uh, stuff that my people I follow post, but also show me things that the people I follow follow. So second yeah. degree that greatly expands the network, right? And and it's kind of enough in a way. That might be all you want. Yeah. Um, what else? Uh, you can, you know, you can filter by like, you know, like you can use some machine learning there to figure out some of the crap that people post. Because like, because Nostr is censorship resistant, it's going to be a lot easier for spammers to spam. But also because we don't have a single vendor of clients, right? You're going to have a lot more work done in clients against spam. Like you can see that already. Like, I mean, uh, uh, Demos like dealt with, with spam faster than Twitter, right? Like Twitter is still having spam problems. Damas right now doesn't. Uh, and, and people are migrating. I mean, like uh, Zero Hedge is already on Noster, right? Like Oh, nice. I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay, cool. Like yeah. it, it, it's crazy how fast like people, people I think understand now that like Noster is like the lifeboat. Uh, some are there because you already want to be there like me, right? Like I'm tired of like Twitter negativity and like the current thing and all that stupidity. So I want my sort of like a cozy, safe space for now. <laughs> Until the masses come to Nostra. Let's see. But I mean, look, personally, I'm, I'm obviously... Right, right? But then you can have your own relays. Yeah, if, of course. Yeah. And I'm supportive of Nostra. Like I, I have it as well. I think it's cool. I think, you know, I'm, I, I guess I just have to sort of see more growth and see see it coming and i think it is early days right like it's extremely early days and yet we still have so much advancement I, I see like to me like this this was sort of like an invention like kind of like you know bitcoin was it's like a, a concatenation of many different things that sort of like arrive at a, at a new paradigm and, and has that vibe it has like you know like very novel sort of ways of thinking about like data and like you know, like I'm I'm done with this sort of like being like humble about its growth. It's like parabolic, <laughs> and, and and you know people are coming and it is winning and it is a lot better than Mastodon by like you know like orders of magnitude, and it's it's an engagement. You get more engagement on Noster than you do on Twitter, okay? By the numbers, Jameson actually uh, Lop did uh, a little research on that. So so like it, it is happening. Uh, and and I think it's time for us to sort of like stop, sort of like you know, sort of uh, humbling it down. It's like no, it's like the shit's happening, and, and people need a new home. 
that is censorship resistant. Yeah. And uh, it'll be interesting to see, because uh, I saw, and I'm sure you saw as well, a lot of Chinese people were joining Nostra because they saw it as a censor resistant way to... Turns out that a lot of that was uh, Chinese spam. <laughs> <laughs> right. once, we, once we dialed in some, some spam filters, a lot of the traffic died. Uh, <laughs> but, the, but the traffic, the real traffic is sort of going in. There is a lot of, it was a lot of people from Hong Kong came in. Pretty cool. Yeah, and I think one aspect that may be difficult for people to deal with is sometimes if you want to talk about freedom and censorship resistance, sometimes you end up having to deal with you know the uh, people who are not so that maybe these are pe- people who are prickly or maybe they're not that popular or for some reason they've already been cancelled on the mainstream platforms yeah. and you know now those people will come and use Nostra and it's kind of the same idea Bitcoin is I mean you know, uh, then you don't have to go yeah then you don't have to go to shitholes right like the truth socials and the whatever like one of these sort of like 10 different pick your new sensor right like and those places are horrible I mean like you know, like it's it's like hive mind of that same exact type of thinking, right? There's no diversity of ideas. There's no discussions being had. It's just, you know, it's just like people agreeing with each other on hating on some other platform, right? So it's like they're just posting a tweet and then just hating on it as if the world give a fuck, right? Like, uh, so so yeah, like this is different. This is like you you can have different communities and different people sort of interacting, which is the value of Twitter. Yeah. And that's a, that's a good point because, you know, you've got Gab and Truth Social and all these other ones. But like you said, they kind of are built around the personality of maybe one, a few people. And they, they just, I, don't, I think they haven't really been able to really build a proper network effect. And then you've got stuff like Mastodon, which obviously you were hosting the, the Bitcoin hackers instance. And of course, which is garbage. Know. It's garbage software, like stupid protocol design. Like there is a reason why Mastodon never took off. Like it's 10 years old, by the way. The the activity pub like it's just terrible terrible design yeah um, and and then all the feeds, I was yeah. I was the censor right. I was the censor and benevolent dictator of BitcoinHackers.org right like I've been slowly telling like this next month I'm I'm killing it I'm gonna I'm gonna point that domain to Noster and, and so be it I don't want to be the benevolent dictator like it's it's not cool plus I mean every single other instance uh, blocked us. Yeah. Because we don't have like strict moderation. Like, so what's the point? Yeah, exactly. Because then like the Wokies get into it. And the point I think is how do you have a technology that the Wokies can't destroy, you know? And then maybe if you are a Wokie, then from your point of view, you you at least want to have a technology that you can, uh, you know, not get shut down from, right? Because, you know. But even Wokes don't want to, like, don't want to be censored by China, right? right? Like, and, and Mastodon is like one click away from being like, uh, censored oh mastodon is so bad that they didn't include quote tweet right because encourages people from dunking like just the fact that you can do that is so dumb right like it's it's like it's the wrong way of thinking about like free speech and and thinking about like like you know resistant information and like uh proper dissemination of information uh, is this the wrong sentiment to go with to begin with right like it's like they, i don't think they have the heart in the right place yeah yeah so i'm i'm hopeful um that some of the stuff can get uh resolved and as you said maybe it's like a nostra equivalent of cloud flare maybe it's like a nostra can have filters built in like who people who you follow second degree or third degree connections maybe and then cutting out beyond that because you don't want to 
open yourself up to spam or DOS or some other kind of attack. Um, and then maybe from the privacy point of view, I know one other criticism people have had is this idea that you it's really important to use a VPN, otherwise you're doxing your IP. Because let's say I have my Nostra mm-hmm. app and I'm connecting to 15 relays, all those relays might know my IP. So that's kind yeah, of... Yeah, but that's, that's like a... That's an early day, like low-hanging fruit, easy to fix, right? Like, there's a million ways you can do this. So one way, you can just have clients cache for you the, like, the, 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 the avatars and things that are leaking IP. You can have buffer relays. You can have your own buffer relay. You can spin up a relay that just is a client for many relays, and then they just read from your buffer relay, yeah. right? You, you know, it's like, it's easy stuff. It's a non-issue thing uh, for, for this stage. The thing is, there's only so much time, right? And so many, like, people that can code. So, you know, priorities, right? There is bigger priorities. Like, for example, adding zapping, right? Like, yeah. so like that's like lightning tips in the thing. Uh, you know, there's so many people on this that we broke while it's a Satoshi, like, more than once. <laughs> because we were just tipping too much, right? right? Like, yeah. uh, and a lot of people use that. So it, it's uh, everything is on a to-do list and is very doable. It's just a matter of prioritizing what what brings people, what helps people first, what what helps the network bootstrap. There's a lot of bounties for it. Uh, I have a website called Bountser. So it's bount b o u n t s r dot o r g. Uh, there is a bunch of bounties there. Uh, for people to 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 code things, and uh, and people are picking at it, uh, which is really cool. Yeah, it's I highly recommend it. I mean, if you want to be like a normie use of this, just download demos on your phone and like get working, like get get tweeting there. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, I've been using uh, Amethyst on the Android. Um, it works pretty well for me. Still a little rough around the edges, but it, it is improving pretty quickly over time. So it's useful. It's cool to I see. I mean, this thing's just happened in a few months. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, it's just time, right? Just need time to sort of like get the cold in. But it's moving fast. Yeah. Really fast. Yeah, it's interesting to see that because at the same time, Twitter is having all its issues and like all these other platforms are having their own issues. So you know, maybe that's what pushes people over to actually adopt and use Nostra. I mean, the stars are aligned, right? I mean, the stars seem to be aligned, uh, which is really cool. Yeah, whereas I think there have been historical examples where people were saying, oh, this time we're all moving to Mastodon and we tried it. And, uh, you know, and I think that has happened maybe two or three times, but it it never really stuck. Whereas I think Nostra has, I think it has more of a chance of sticking. So I think, you know, the vibes are high. And remember, right, Noster social media application is like, you know, a tiny little part of this protocol can be used for, right? Uh, you know, there is a bounty of 12 BTC for people to rebuild GitHub on it, right? Because you could transport Git commits on Noster, right? And then you can have a decentralized, distributed uh, uh, GitHub, which is the social sort of layer, the business sort of logic for Git, you know, like I have a bounty for uh, uh, for somebody to redo Medium and Substack. Like I want to replace Substack and Medium with Noster, right? There is a bunch of things there. Like you can do anything that is sort of like more in a broadcast like method. Like uh, it's very very cool. The conference is gonna be the first Nostrica. conference is gonna be yeah. in Costa Rica. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, I won't be able to make that just because it's clashing with um, Vietnam Lightning Con, but. Uh... Looking. Wasn't that canceled? No, no. Uh, the Lightning Conference in Berlin was unfortunately canceled, but 
Okay. Uh, Vietnam Lightning Con in Da Nang is on kind of late oh, March. Oh, cool. Cool. I, so, yeah. It's a lot of stuff happening now. You know, this as this space grows and things that are happening, there's going to be a lot more, like, date conflicts. Oh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. I mean, eventually, it'll be impossible to sort of make it to every everything, right? We're, we're just not quite there yet. But, yeah, it's already... It's going to happen to that level soon, sooner or later. And then, yeah, so I guess kind of closing out. So, I mean, we spoke about Q1. We spoke a bit about you know, cold card and, you know, just Bitcoin security. I'm curious, do you see any other, I guess, any other things we haven't spoken about or any other trends or directions that you think the industry or things should go from a Bitcoin security point of view? Yeah, I think like, you know, hardware wallets are becoming a lot more sophisticated and sort of like we're understanding the problem better. You know, the NFC stuff is growing. There is there's slowly more wallets doing NFC, which is great for consumers, like, you know, more, more normie use of things. You know, I think we're going to see things like inscriptions and ordinals be like sort of like the next biggest thing that happens in Bitcoin. There is a massive amount of demand for that stuff, like me liking or not liking it. It's, you know, irrelevant. Uh, you know, the, the, the shitcoiners are running now like Bitcoin nodes and full nodes because they want their inscriptions there. Right. So that's an interesting sort of funnel. Right. For Bitcoin. You know, you made the blocks bigger. Now have them full. You know, another thing, too, is that this quiets out a little bit of the security budget FUD, uh, too, which is funny. Um, what else? Um, oh, the Q1 thing, uh, before I forget, uh, because the demand was bigger than we thought for the reservations, uh, get your reservation in if you want, because if it keeps on going like this, we might cap it. Uh, and then and then you won't be part of the... The first round the, of Q1 recipients. The first round, yeah. <laughs> well, I've, I've ordered right. mine. I'm definitely looking forward to playing around with it. So, yeah, thanks for joining me, NVK. Listeners, make sure you follow NVK. I'll uh, put the links in the show notes uh, and get the stuff over at coinkite.com. And, uh, well, I was going to say your Twitter, but no, let's let's follow NVK on Nostra. I'll, uh, I'll put a link for that in the show notes. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Livera. Thanks. Get the show notes at stefanlevera.com slash 459. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you in the Citadels.